The Keep Birth Wild podcast acknowledges the Wurundjeri people as the traditional owners and custodians of the land, sky and waters on which this project is produced, and we pay respect to Elders past and present. We extend this respect to all First Nations people on whose country we live, birth and raise children. We acknowledge the ongoing leadership, resilience and commitment of First Nations people who continue to fight for their right to safe and culturally appropriate experiences of pregnancy, birth and postpartum, and we commit to continuing to explore our own role in that journey. Lastly, we honour and celebrate the ancient birthing knowledge and practices that have existed on this country for thousands of years. May this wisdom continue to nurture life for many generations to come. Welcome to the Keep Birth Wild podcast. My name is Indy, and through this series, I'll be speaking to parents who chose to birth their babies at home. Join me and my guests as we hear honest and heartfelt stories of pregnancy, birth and postpartum. In today's episode, I'm speaking to Janelle. She and her husband are farmers who grow avocados, beef cattle and have a market garden. She's religious and in this episode she describes how after many years of feeling that she might not want children, she ended up leaving the decision about whether to start a family to God and conceived not long after. She shares the story of her pregnancy and birth in this episode and it's a wonderful listen. Just a note that the sound quality in this episode is not great. Um, I've done everything I can to fix that, but unfortunately um, there must have been some kind of issue when recording. It's a really wonderful story and I definitely recommend pushing through and listening. It's mostly okay while Janelle is speaking and so I've edited out most of my talking and hopefully you can get through it. I hope you enjoy. Hi Janelle, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. How are you? I'm great. Would you like to start by introducing yourself and um, sharing a little bit about your family with the listeners? Yeah, um, I'm a first-time mum. I'm 34, um, sorry, 35. My son's eight and a half months old and I'm married, been married for nearly 17 years. Um, We didn't want to have, I mean, I didn't want to have kids until later and my husband was always happy to have kids but he was happy to wait for me so I wasn't under pressure but my I changed my mind and so we dove in and have had an awesome experience. We both work together on our family um, farm um, but we don't live there, we live in town but um, yeah, my actual family farm and then works with me growing avocados, beef cattle and some market garden. So we, yeah, we've done a, a lot of different things, but we've doing, been doing that for the last three years. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. Whereabouts are you based? Are you somewhere in a warmer climate than me, I'm guessing? Yeah, in the mid-north coast of New South Wales. Oh, beautiful. So lovely. Macquarie area. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, amazing. And is it quite, um, you said you lived in town. Is that, um, is it still quite rural or? Um, well, we're about 25 minutes from Port Macquarie um, inland, but we are in a small town that is more a rural town, but we're edging on Port Macquarie. So you could call it urban, I don't know, like you can drive two minutes and be um, in the middle of nowhere. Um, that's the state forest is so uh, minute walk away uh, but we're very close to the beaches and shopping and all that as well so we've got everything really. Well um, yeah you mentioned that you weren't sure if you wanted kids or you wanted to have children later in life was there anything that um, kind of prompted that desire to start a family a little bit sooner than you thought you would? Um, well it was like we got married really young um, so I was always of the impression that we weren't in a hurry. <laughs> um, I was not quite 19 when we got married and Ben was just 21. So, yeah, there was lots of adventures to have together and we were just in love and young and doing life. And um, as we got a bit older, I was, like, always putting it off to have children and then I got to a point in my life where I questioned whether I really wanted to have them. And probably that sort of reasoning might have been something to do with my own upbringing because I'm the eldest of four and I had a 
difficult relationship with my father growing up and I felt that I wouldn't want to relive my childhood in another, on a number of levels and I also felt if I didn't have the desire to be maternal then I shouldn't be bringing children into the world because I didn't want them to feel resented at all. So when we got to probably about three years ago, maybe four years ago, I started thinking more about, you know, I'm getting older, hitting my 30s. <sighs> probably, you know, if we're going to have children, it's going to have to happen soon so that, you know, I'm not risking not being able to have them. So um, I had to, I'm a religious person, so I actually gave it to God um, and said, look, if you want me to have children, you're going to have to change my heart because I didn't have the heart for children. And it took a couple of years and I literally had the desire to do it. And I said to Ben, um, probably just about two years ago, I said to him, um, I think I might be ready to start a family. And he's like, what? <laughs> I said, yeah, I think I'm ready. He's like, you don't mean that you're going to change your mind in like a month's time? I said, no, I think I think this is it. <laughs> um, so we just planned that I'd stop the pill. I'd been on the pill for 15 years straight um, without a break from it and um, just planned that maybe three months after being off it we could start trying for a baby and I was of the apprehension that um, this is this could happen over a 12-month period because most people don't fall pregnant straight away and all that sort of thing. So I was a bit casual about it and then someone suggested, oh, you know, you might as well start now a month earlier than what we planned because, you know, it can take forever. <laughs> yeah, so and we fell pregnant straight away. <laughs> we were ready and I was actually really happy about it and... Um, yeah, it was just like, you know, the start of something really beautiful and I probably, I think I took a pregnancy test around four weeks after I conceived and um, I had a, obviously a really positive result so we went to the doctor but before that I just knew something was different because I had this like, I could feel as though a fire had been lit in my belly like really deep in my belly I just felt all this warmth and energy and I, it's the only way I can describe it and all through pregnancy I had that feeling <laughs> mm, that's amazing yeah it was like wow this is really happening it was just it was really good <laughs> and I'm, I'm curious to know if it, um, it might be helpful if there's uh, women listening who are thinking about conceiving and coming off the pill um did your period come back regularly straight away or um, did you kind of have an idea of when you were ovulating and when to try for or it was just a bit like, uh, we'll just see what happens? Well, it was sort of like I had no idea how to track my cycle other than that, you know, um, count the days between start and finish. And I went my, um, the pill. I had a very light period, like two days, just basically. And I'm like, yeah, well, that's a withdrawal bleed. But I'd been taking the pill continuously without the blanks, and that's what my doctor said would be all right. So um, I wasn't even having a withdrawal bleed every month, <laughs> which was oh, for me because I used to get really heavy periods. And um, so... I had one that and then this was December, um, January I had another um, light period about 29 days so and then spot on 29 days for February I got my next one. And oh wow yeah. In March so and I was only it was totally different to before I went on the pill um, before I went on the pill, I used to get very heavy, very painful periods, like the crippled in bed kind of ones, and that was what motivated me to go on the pill and to not have a period at all. <laughs> so mm. I did worry about what the pill would have done to my body over that time because I'm natural, but I just wanted something that... Um, 
that I didn't have to worry about kind of thing. I didn't want anything invasive, contraception, so, yeah. And then mm. as far as knowing when to conceive, I just had a, an app um, on my phone, a free app, just a very basic calendar. Like you could chart it on the calendar literally. It was nothing special. And someone suggested that when, if you're really keen about conceiving, make love every day. <laughs> <laughs> So that's what we did. <laughs> Great, that worked. <laughs> well, thank you so much for sharing all of that. That's um, yeah, really interesting and hopefully helpful for others. You mentioned that you were really excited and happy when you found out you were pregnant. How um, how was the next few months, like that kind of early um, early pregnancy for you? It was really good. I um, I think I um. Well, I didn't get morning sickness until about nine weeks and I was thinking, oh, I got away with it, you know, I'm not going to get morning sickness because my mum didn't always have morning sickness with her pregnancies and I thought, oh, maybe I'm just lucky, you know. But um, the first major change that happened was my breasts grew. <laughs> like I was a size, I was a B cup. And then all of a sudden I'm a, I'm a C within a matter of a couple of weeks. And I was, it was in lockdown, the first lockdown, COVID um, 2020. <laughs> and there's like, you know, you can't go and try things on in change rooms at the shops and stuff here. And I was, I was pretty annoyed because I really needed new bras. <laughs> made some guesses and bought what I needed and it worked for that time and then I did get morning sickness just very mildly in the beginning and I had one day that I woke up and I had really bad vertigo and I had to stay in bed but apart from that it was just nausea and it was quite severe nausea at times, not throwing up, but um, usually from got up in the morning, probably around breakfast time, because I'd get up and I would, it wouldn't hit me straight away. It was either just before I ate breakfast, and then we had our drive to the farm, which is 40 minutes, and windy road, and I would just like have my all my warm jumpers and stuff on, and my beanie, and um, a scarf and I just bury myself in that and pretend I was still in bed for the whole trip and I, I just went and you know we used to share all the driving but I couldn't drive I said to Ben you're gonna have to drive for me I'm too tired and I'm too sick mm. but yeah. it worked and like we were picking peas and parsley and um, just doing the regular farm work um, every day and I was I was pretty exhausted but I can't say that, like, I had a lot of good support from Ben. Um, I could come home and have a nap if I needed it. Um, but by the end of the day, I felt a lot better every day, so didn't, it wasn't continuous. It was that mm. in the afternoon it would um, fade out. <laughs> so. And, and yeah, did you, being a first-time mum and um, potentially, I don't want to make assumptions, but being a first time mum, did you have much idea of what your options were for pregnancy care and where you were going to give birth? Um, I had a little bit of knowledge, um, only because I'd talked to my doctor about it previously on the um, hypothetical if, you know, what if, you know, I fall pregnant, what do I do? And um, she just suggested that, you know, the first point of call would be the GP and then we get referred to the local hospital. And I had friends that had birthed in the local hospital before, some positive, but a lot of negative stuff come out of it. And I wasn't afraid. Um, I was a little naive. I wasn't really thinking too hard about that side of it at the time, but a very close friend that I went to school with and we hadn't been in touch for a few years but she had a home birth with her first baby and her second child she free birthed on their remote property a few years later and I knew about that but in the back of my mind it was in there somewhere and I just happened to um, we were very careful on who we shared the news to at first but she was one of the ones that I told because I knew she'd be excited for us and like, yay, finally having babies. <laughs> um, she's like, you should look into home birth. And I'm like, 
Oh, yeah, that's right. I've always said, you know, when she did home birth her babies, I was like, that's, if I'm going to have a baby ever, that's the way I'm having a baby. We're <laughs> very private um, with my body and um, the idea of going to different appointments and having different people look at me and poke me and all that sort of stuff didn't appeal at all. Um, I've only ever had a smear by choice. I've declined every every pap smear since. <laughs> um, and, yeah, I just wanted it to be private. And, yeah, so I just, I was, yeah, so I got Googling. That's what I did. <laughs> <laughs> and were there many options for home birth midwives in your area? No, but we do have one, which is amazing because she's the only um, fully um, registered or um, I know that some midwives that attend home births can't be the, um, what do you call it, senior midwife or the head midwife. She's the only one we have between Newcastle and Northern Rivers, I think. Um, so, uh, and we did have one previous that had birthed my friend's baby, but she'd been deregistered and I don't know what happened, but, um, yeah, so I was just very fortunate to find, to, um, stumble across, they're called Birth Sisters and, um, they have a, a website and a, fa- a Facebook page and, yeah, and she was based very central, like, um, had an, uh, a clinic in Port Macquarie at the time. So, yeah, we contacted them. Oh, fantastic. That's amazing. And, um, and you know, she had a clinic. I'm guessing that most of your appointments were at the clinic rather than at home? Yeah, most of them were to begin with. Um, that's where we met and it was nice. It was a nice place to go. She had it set up for mothers and babies. It was um, alternate and... It was just very relaxed. Um, she had her doula there on occasions to say hi and, um, yeah, just felt like home when we walked in there. She was bare feet. Um, she was very relaxed, very easy to talk to, so lovely. Made us feel like uh, every appointment was so special. <laughs> yeah. And, um, yeah, what did your care look like with her? Did you opt to do any birth education at all or did she offer that herself? Yeah, she did um, have quite extensive birth education courses that she ran when she had time. And being on call a lot um, made her have to reschedule some of those. And she was also dealing with um, a family member that was ill as well. So it was really hard for her but I was able to attend what she called sacred space of birth. She um, talked about all of the natural, like, way, it's the way to physiological, physiologically birth and how that all works and how it's so important to protect the birth space. I would have liked to have done the full birth education at the time and because of the lockdown, they weren't running anything at the hospital, but... Um, Honestly, there's so much information out there if you go looking. And I had a couple of really good books that I read. Um, my favourite of which was Rhea Dempsey's um, Birth with Confidence um, and Ina May Gaskin's Cricket, uh, which one that was one of her first books that she wrote. But um, uh, Spiritual Midwifery, maybe? The one after that, I think. Ah, uh, yeah, maybe guide to childbirth or something like that. Yeah, that's yeah. And, yeah, she did um, later in the pregnancy, she did give us um, some basic birth education. It was good for my husband as well then because um, then he could understand because I went to the sacred space of birth with my mum actually because Ben was doing tape at the time at night. So, um, but yeah, like it was really, I knew, um, I felt like I made the right decision. It's just fitted with our values. and Yeah, yeah. 
and being quite a private person and, and kind of particular about not, you know, not wanting to people interfere and poke and prod and, and touch you unnecessarily. Did you, was there any te tests that you opted not to have or, or what kind of um, pregnancy testing and kind of standard care did you um, go for during your pregnancy? Yeah, um, we had a we had the dating scan at seven and a half weeks, so I was happy to do that. Like personally, I'd probably if I had a I don't know I'd if I knew that more about ultrasound and if it was really really harmful. I don't know. There's a, there's for and against information out there, but just having an idea on the date was a good thing, and it's be, it's better for care providers, but. I also understand not doing ultrasounds is also a nice way to do it, but we didn't do the 12-week ultrasound because we wouldn't choose abortion if there were any congenital defects. Um, so we felt there wasn't any point getting that test done um, because it wouldn't change our view of our child. So um, I declined the... Um, the gestational diabetes test or the GTT glucose tolerance um, and that was based on the fact that the threshold has dropped and I, there's no diabetes in my family that's very close to me um, and I don't have a sugary diet or anything. Anyway, I just thought it was silly. <laughs> um, I find the stretch B test as well. Um, the only other things we did was the, obviously the 20-week ultrasound, which everything came up really good. But I had a bilobed placenta, and later, um, at 37 weeks, I went in for a late ultrasound. Um, I couldn't get in any earlier because I, yeah, the midwife gave me the referral about 32 or 33 weeks, um, just to double check that I didn't have any malcord insertion in the bilo placenta and also its positioning because um, placentas move and mine was on the top of the fundus but um, she just wanted to double check because one of her clients or somebody that was close to her, one of their clients um, was in hospital with um, a malcord insertion and they were keeping her on monitoring her until she went into labour. So. Um, yeah, that scared me a bit and I'd prefer not to have a late scan again if I can get away with not having one because I was really worried about it. And, um, uh, I'm not, um, yeah, she wasn't looking for anything else in particular, like even she doesn't worry too much about the size of the baby, but they said um, the baby's like about six and a half pounds or whatever that means back at, at 37 weeks and it probably wasn't too far from the truth but um, yeah everything was good so yeah mm. yeah beautiful and coming into those kind of final weeks of pregnancy how how are you feeling um up until about 30 weeks, I felt awesome. And what they say about the second trimester being wonderful, it was. I just, I was on top of the world. I had no sickness. Like from 13 weeks, the morning sickness faded out. 14 weeks, I was feeling butterflies. Um, and then by 20 weeks, Ben could, or 19 weeks, he felt the first kicks. So that was pretty special. Um, when I was about 20 week, 25 weeks pregnant, we started our avocado harvest for the year. I couldn't, like, a, I mean, I felt like superwoman, so I could have done anything, but I had plenty of advice from everyone, and especially the midwife, to say that you shouldn't be lifting any more than a certain amount. So I had little buckets, and I'd fill up the little buckets and take them to the big bin and then if nobody was around to tip them in I'd have to only half fill them <laughs> had all these. and I, I managed to just keep going and that period of time I think it was like five weeks I didn't put on any weight because I was just so busy physically <laughs> which um, I thought this is great um, I didn't want to put any on any more weight <laughs> but um, after 32 weeks I started to get some little niggles in my pelvis like um, pubic symphysis and 
I had tightness in the right side of my um, sacrum, quite severe at times to the point where I was struggling to get sleep. And um, so I went to an osteo um, that deals with pregnancy and babies um, and she referred me to her physio as well and they helped me so much in the last few weeks. Why? I didn't, everyone was asking me, when are you going to stop work, Janelle? And I'm like, I haven't got a plan of stopping work. I'm just going to go until I can't. <laughs> Body stops around 34 weeks and I'm like, no, I think I'll be right. But I got to 34 weeks and I was cutting my days back for like two days a week. And by, I think about 36, 30, 36 weeks, I was not working anymore <laughs> to handle it. And part of that was... Um, Toby's my son um, we didn't know what we were having either he was um, we chose not to find out the sex of the baby and I would do that every time <laughs> because it's so nice to have a surprise when they're born but um, he was like on the bumpy windy road to work he would literally plank and he's I don't know his head was on my pelvis and his feet were on my ribs and it was so uncomfortable. I was like in a straight jacket and I just couldn't do it anymore. <laughs> yeah, so that was, I. it wasn't overly painful but it was so difficult and uncomfortable and I'd just laugh about it but it was like I can't get out and then as soon as the car would stop, he would stop. <laughs> comfortable for him or something so he's like trying to fix it for himself, making it bad for me. <laughs> Yeah, and you mentioned um, at the beginning of the interview that you're religious. Had you, um, I imagine this is a big part of your life, but in regards to kind of planning what things were going to look like during your labour and what techniques you might find useful during your labour, was was your faith a part of that or did you have anything, any particular way that you wanted to bring that into your labour? I, I hadn't really, like... Yes and no, probably um, it's probably more intertwined in what we do on a day-to-day -day basis. So I didn't really like, uh, so I, I just wanted, my main thing was I wanted to birth at home. And I used to uh, pray that, you know, like God, you didn't create hospitals um, for birthing women. <laughs> you created us to, um, to birth naturally. So... I'm going to hold you to that. <laughs> the pact with him to say, like, I have to birth at home at all costs because <laughs> I just was not going to hospital. But um, it ended up being, because we, um, we're Christians, but we keep the Jewish Sabbath um, and not Sunday as our Sabbath kind of thing. And Friday evening, to Saturday evenings, our sacred time every week. And um, it just turned out, because I, I had this, I had two playlists um, I was accumulating songs on, on Spotify for a birthing track to listen to. And one was um, all my favourite worldly songs, <laughs> like um, pop songs or, you know, whatever I thought was feel good. And I'd hear something, I'm like, oh, yeah, got to add that one. And then I thought, oh, well, maybe I'll have one, a religious one as well. So I was putting Christian music together on another one. And as it turned out, when I went into labour, it was Friday night and I'd already decided like a few weeks before that we'll just play the religious one because um, I I, I, we had this discussion. I said to Ben, you know, like if I birth on a Friday evening or a Sabbath, um, should we listen to, you know, what, I need to have some religious music. And he's like, oh, look, I think God understands listening to, you know, um, I don't know, um, what's a play or something on Sabbath. I think you'll understand because you're in labour. <laughs> um, because I don't know what, we, what, how we decided, but it ended up we, we played the religious one and it was just perfect. It was really perfect. So, yeah, I, apart from that, um, I, well, actually, I made 
affirmation cards um, in the weeks that I was at home not working before going into labour. I was, you know, I had heaps of free time. <laughs> so I just wrote down some some of the Psalms and some Proverbs um, that talk about women and how um, women are empowered me basically just empowering quotes about family and what women how women are so special so I was rephrasing them to match how life kind of thing so yeah Mm, beautiful yeah and yeah would you like to share um, about the time when you started to go into labor how many weeks were you and how did things kick off I was 39 weeks and six days. <laughs> I'd had a really good sleep. It was a Thursday night. I slept so well, and that wasn't normal because I'd been struggling to get comfortable for a long time. Um, it was starting to warm up a little bit, so we had the aircon on quite frequently, and I was so hot. Like, that's not me either. I'm usually a bit of a cold frog. And, um, I woke up on the Friday morning um, and I just went to, I, I had a slight adult ache in like my back, but I just thought nothing of it because I'd slept that well. I'm like, oh, you just haven't moved enough <laughs> in the night. I waddled to the toilet and I did this massive wee because I hadn't been awake for ages. And as you can imagine, like bladder is about to burst. When I went to wipe, there was all this bloody discharge, and I'm like, ooh, that's interesting. <laughs> I said, oh, Ben, come and have a look at this. <laughs> Get grossed out. It's nothing wrong. Nothing's wrong. This is really good. And I'm, yeah, he was like, oh, what does that mean? Are you in labour? I said, not yet, because nothing else has happened yet, but this is a good sign, I suppose. Like, And... um. So I went about, like we got up, had breakfast. We slept in a bit and I had a physio appointment that morning and we were running a bit late. (laughs) So we were rushing and I was getting these little uh, mild, sort of like, you know, period pain, you know, it comes and goes, things like that. So every half hour I'd get a cramp and then it'd go away. and It was just continual. So I'm like, oh, message the midwife. Meg and I said Meg this I had a bloody show well all this blood come out and it was like probably my music, mucus plug because it was all sort of clotty and stretchy sort of stuff um, and I'm getting these continual period cramps on and off but I feel great and she's like oh this is good news keep me updated so Oh, and meanwhile, we jump in the car, we're rushing, Ben skids around the roundabout and nearly ran into the shop outside <laughs> of the roundabout and just laughing. I'm like, you know, when we have a baby, you can't drive like this. <laughs> anyway, we were just joking, got to the physio and I was sort of like, my mood was really, really good because the day before, the Thursday before, like, yeah, Thursday um, I stayed at home, I watched a chick flick, bawled my eyes out, I pulled out all these love letters that Ben and I used to write when we were young, like we started going out when we were in high school, um, but we lived apart, like a fair distance away from each other, so we used to write letters and it was before we had mobile phones. And So I got all our love letters out and I'm reading through them like, ah, falls out and had this cathartic release and I think that really helped settle things for me because I'd had all these fears and worries leading up to, you know, in case my hands didn't happen. Um, but Friday I felt euphoric and I was like on top of the world and really relaxed and, yeah, it was really weird. I felt like I was in this other state. <laughs> yeah, and throughout the day, like I went to physio, she bruised me up like she always does but it was really good and um, we did some grocery shopping then my mum and my sister got home with lunch and um, because we're in business together Ben and my sister um, had to go and collect some fruit trees seedling like fruit trees in 
you know, we'd ordered them from Queensland and they'd come and had to pick the pallet up and take them back to the farm. But, yeah, he helped her with that and mum stayed with me and meanwhile the cramps were getting a little bit more painful but I was like, oh, I could take some Panadol but, yeah, it's okay, I can still forget about it. Um, showed mum where some things were because um, just in case she had to come back getting ice in the dark because we planned to have come to the birth. Um, and then when they left, my mum and my sister, I was just like, I was feeling, starting to feel a little bit emotional about stuff, like, but happy at the same time. It was really weird. And um, also we had a problem with the birth pool because the one we'd set up had punctures, so our midwife was planning to drop one around that evening anyway. And she came around and I just said, oh, um, nothing's changed much except for the intensity of these, you know, cramps. It, they're a little more painful and I'm tired. I'm going to go and have a bath. And she's like, you do that. <laughs> <laughs> and um, Ben set up the birth pool and... We had a thunderstorm rip through and really wild wind and we had to close the house up so we put the air conditioner on and cooled things down a bit. And, um, I had a bath, Ben made me some really nice dinner and I just said, oh, I just want to go to bed with a heat pack. I just feel like I started to feel like I wanted to cry <laughs> but I didn't have any reason for it. It's really weird but so bed and... Um, the aircon was on and it was really quiet and we had our dog in the house too in our bedroom because she's ter- terrified of thunderstorms so she was with us and I'm just dozing off at about 9.30 um, that night to go to sleep and one contraction hit me and there was no lead up, it was just on and I'm like, oh, <laughs> finished and it probably went for about 30 seconds and um, it woke me up and I'm like, okay, I'll just, Ben was snoring, um, he was out to it, he was so tired, I just let him stay asleep for a bit, I thought, oh, well, if it happens again soon, I'll, you know, do, I'll get up, and I had this app where you can track your contractions and stuff, so I pressed on the thingy when it happened, and Anyway, I was falling asleep waiting for the next one, so I tried to go back to sleep. And then another one came. I'm like, oh, my goodness, I'm not going to sleep. And I was starting to feel like a bit frustrated and cried. Like I wanted to cry, but I was angry as well. I'm tired. I'd had a big day. And um, Anyway, long story short, I woke Ben up and I said, look, this is happening. And, well, I couldn't not wake him up. The second or third one that come, I was, it was very painful. I had to do something about it. I was, I said, can you go and get me another heat pack? And then by the time he'd come back with a heat pack, I was said, I need a bucket. And we had buckets in the spare room ready with the birth pool and everything because, you know, anything can happen. You need rubbish ones, one for the ice, one for vomiting in case you vomit. I was so sick and I'm not... You know, like all pregnancy, I didn't have any vomiting. Um, And, yeah, I threw up three times, like, everything I'd eaten. And I felt horrible. It was just like this initiation. (laughs) So I got up and had a shower. um, And Ben's like, oh, should we ring anyone yet? And I'm like, well, they're still ten minutes apart. Uh, Meg said not to call her until they were you know, two or three every ten minutes. So we'll just leave it. And then a little bit later we let mum know because she's got a 40-minute drive and so she was on her way soon. And um, the storm had passed, so we opened up all the windows and turned the aircon off. Um, Ben put the music on. Um, I just got dressed in undies and my very not well-fitting dressing gown <laughs> for a long time but I'm really really pregnant <laughs> and I sat down on the birth ball and just had my hand, head in my hands <laughs> I was reduced to like I didn't really want to look at anybody or yeah I was feeling humiliated a little bit 
I only said, like, we had our last midwife appointment on a Wednesday and she's like, everything's wonderful and got any questions? I'm like, I just want to feel some pain. I want to know what it feels like. And she's like, oh, she laughed at me. She said, you'll know what it feels like. (laughs) Then I'm actually thinking about that and I'm like, "Mm, yeah, I know what it feels like a bit now. Um, when Ben actually rang her, um, we were getting at least two to three contractions every 10 minutes and um, my husband's so calm. He's like, I think he, we think it's time to call you to come, Meg. And she's like, she didn't get the urgency out of his message but she'd had the storms where she lives as well but she still had a half an hour drive to get to our place um, on country roads and she had branches and stuff all over the road and she says normally when someone goes into labour and she's she's called, she travel at 120 kilometres an hour, like she speeds to get there in time but she just took her time and she's doing 80 trying to dodge the sticks and everything on the road and when she pulled into the driveway her doula had already arrived at the same time as my mum because she lives in across town here and Meg got on the driveway and she could hear me on the driveway. (laughs) Not that it was that loud because we did warn the neighbours about it (laughs) and being COVID and everything, you know, said not to get too worried about all these cars turning up in the driveway and stuff. Anyway, she just knew what the sounds were. And she come in and she like got all her stuff was there. She just had to unpack some things and, and like tell them to fill up the birth pool. <laughs> in her mind, she's like, "Call me next time. Call me sooner." I'm like, "Well, you said not to call until they were, you know, two or three every ten minutes." <laughs> Labor generally it doesn't come that quickly. Like it's more gradual or whatever. Mm. Do you know how how long it had been roughly since things had started up until the midwife arrived? Um, uh, the actual contraction. Yeah. Um, from when I got the painful ones, that was like nine thirty. It's a little bit. It's a little bit of a blur, but I think she arrived around just after one o'clock in the morning, so not quite. Maybe three and a half, to three and three quarter hours. Yeah. Yeah, so pretty quick. Yeah, yeah. and because I was in my own space, I suppose, I had nothing to distract me from being just us. So it was, yeah, I don't know. It was just fast. <laughs> and so there was something that we weren't aware of, but something had happened like Toby was flopping around a fair bit. He was in a good position and he was well engaged for the last few weeks. And um, Meg felt my belly before I got in the birth pool and she's like, she didn't say it. And I'm so glad she didn't, but she was posterior. <laughs> that would have been, I'm glad I didn't know it at the time because it would have disappointed me and I'd done a lot of reading about posterior labours and it sounded awful. So I was just thinking, yeah, this is really tough, but oh well, it's labour, isn't it? Was <laughs> <laughs> there anything... Yeah. Was there anything that you were doing in particular that was helping you move through the contractions? Um, mainly making noise. I think that really helped. <laughs> um, I, before I got in the birth pool, I had heat packs and when Shani, our doula, came, she was massaging my back. But I can tell you, like, I don't even feel like it helped, even though they were doing a fantastic job. I I think as soon as I hit the water in the pool, I felt more relaxed because it's just, you know, the getting into a warm bath is just beautiful at any time. And it was a distraction and it probably helped me to relax between the contractions a lot. Um, the other thing that I kept doing was we had heaps of um, hydrolyte and juice poppers and just heaps and heaps of fluid. Um, yeah, I they kept bringing me um, 
they kept me hydrated. Like I drank five and a half litres of fluid that night in labour. Um, I didn't wow. drink anything. Yep. I was sick. I felt sick a few times during the labour, but I didn't throw up, but I just couldn't eat anything. Um, but they just kept bringing me drinks. They'd say, would you like a drink? I'd say yes or no. Um, I kept my eyes closed. I only peeped to see where the, the straw was. <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah. sometimes to grab on to Ben his arm or something just to hold on to the birth pool. At one point in the labour, probably like I really think I remember one, when I felt the baby's head move down into my cervix because I felt this stinging and at that point I started to feel like I needed to push, but Meg's like, can you just hold off on that urge to push for as long as you can? But if you feel compelled to go with it, then that's okay too. So I was like, okay, I'll see how I go. But I was not long after that, I was pushing. But I was also vocal in my pushing and um, I was using a lot of energy that way. So I, at one point, I got so uncomfortable. I was sort of like leaning on the side of the birth pool with my arms and my head resting on my arms um, and sort of stretching back and forwards a little bit. Um, but I had to turn over. I don't know why, but I just felt like I couldn't handle that position anymore. I just was so uncomfortable. I had to turn and I went, I went onto my back and I felt really bad in that point because I told them don't let me go on my back but I was sort of oh. in position I was like I was sitting but reclined on my back but nobody did anything nobody said oh you shouldn't be doing that um I just instinctively did it and I think it helped um I don't know how but um we got to a point and I was still getting contractions. They didn't subside, but I think the intensity of the, the intensity of them had decreased somewhat. And Meg just said, "When you get the urge to push, try holding the vocal energy in and push into your bottom. Like, you know, you can, you know, however that feels right for you, basically." And I thought, oh, "Okay, I'll try," because I'd been really enjoying screaming the house down, or I was sort of growling. It was more like this um, zombie growl or I don't know where it comes from. Um, so I tried that and, oh, my goodness, it was so good. It was like all of a sudden I had all this power um, from nowhere because, and I could not push. All I was doing was holding my breath and my body was pushing and it felt, awesome <laughs> so I yeah. doing that then probably not long after that she just I was still like reclining on my back and she just said um I'd like to know where the baby's head is would it be okay if I check you and she said if you don't it's okay you don't have to and I said oh yes okay that would be good and I was like Okay, this could be, I was trying not to get my hopes up, <laughs> but I wasn't really logically thinking about, you know, where would the baby's head be? <laughs> she said, oh, it's only, she showed me on her finger where, how far, and it was like an inch and a half, or even two inches. It was like barely an inch, more than an inch of space between the outside and his head. And I was like, oh, it, like I didn't say anything, but I was thinking to myself, oh, it's happening. You know? <laughs> Meanwhile, like I had no sense of time in that space. So I just had no idea. I just knew that I'd been there for a while. Um, and she suggested that maybe if I wanted to get out of the pool, if I felt like it, um, maybe another position might help. So we did. And I kind of felt like, oh, I don't really want to get out of the pool. But then part of me was like, I'm too hot. <laughs> Being hot, I was like a beetroot. So we, they helped me. I still have vague memory of how I got to the toilet, but 
we have an adjoining ensuite for that bedroom. Um, well, it's the main bathroom. It's like a um, an ensuite slash. It's got another door as well, but um, yeah, it was all set up with fairy lights and stuff ready in anticipation that I'd need to go use the toilet as well. And um, yeah, so we went there and the contractions just got so much more intense and it was hard, but I was still pushing into my bottom and holding the vocal energy and, and keeping fluid, like keep fluid going in. Um, as just, I wasn't forcing myself to drink, I was actually quite hot and thirsty. So, um, And then we moved from there because my legs got really really uncomfortable on the toilet. I, they were just aching so badly. I had to get off. Um, and then we moved to the floor. I had the Swiss ball or the ball um, there and I leant on that over a towel and then had my knees on the ground and stayed there for a few contractions. But I was really like, I don't know whether it was really a weakness, but I was just really uncomfortable there as well. So we went back to the toilet. And the second time we went back to the toilet, things really ramped up. I don't think the contractions got any closer together. They were just more powerful and things were moving. I, um, Meg just asked if she could check again. Um, I said, yeah, that's fine. And his head was like almost out. It was so close. And she said, you checked this time too, and I could feel it. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, his head is nearly out. <laughs> it was like, oh, this is crazy. And then I felt um, all this movement happening, like him, him kicking, like, you know, the baby kicks through pregnancy and stuff. But this was like I imagined um, this little baby in there with slippers on swimming. <laughs> anyway, what had afterwards... Um, we're pretty sure because he was posterior and he came out um, anterior. So he's turned himself around finally and he probably needed a few different positions to get that to happen. Um, so he's moved that far down the birth count now but he's still able to move. But the contractions around that time, like I started to still have pain between them I wasn't getting much relief and as I got towards the end I didn't get any relief of pain um, when they subsided much um, that was really hard but yeah we moved again from the toilet because my legs again they were getting too uncomfortable so we went to the floor with the birth ball again and I tried to get comfortable there but oh so hard <laughs> pain I had so much pain in my sacrum, it was incredible. And my bottom, like, I thought my bum was going to explode. It was that bad, but it was okay. Like, I was getting through it. <laughs> um, so we were there, like, and within oh, less than a minute of being there, um, my waters broke, just burst everywhere. But we had towels and tarp and everything down on the carpet, so it wasn't a big deal, but... Um, I was like, oh, wow, well, the water, water's broken. You know, Meg's like, we have waters. And, yeah, it's nice. But, I, you know, like in my own mind, I was so far gone into flavor land that I, and I was in that much pain that I couldn't really talk much. <laughs> and um, I just, at one point, I said, I need someone to grab my legs because my thighs were, oh, there's so much, um, I don't know how to describe it, this tension and I needed a distraction from the other pain that I had and I'm like, can you massage my bum? They're so nice, like he, he's gently massaging my bum and I'm like, no, not like that. <laughs> and I said, well, like when you make love to me and, uh, and everyone just laughed because I'm desperate. <laughs> <laughs> better from there I'm like oh, so I'm gonna tell him and I when I want a mask you'd have bruised me yeah it was really funny and then um the crowning happened and um and Meg's like I can see baby's hair it's got I said, oh, it's got hair oh yes it's got hair and I'm like oh that's so nice <laughs> and um 
Yeah, I have some like really, really powerful contractions in that position, and, um, and she's like, "Yeah, it's just positively coaching me, not not coaching me, just saying, oh, that's excellent. You're doing such a great job." And I'm like, "Oh, I feel like I'm dying." <laughs> but, um, yeah, and then when his face came out, um, she said, "Oh, he's got little kissy lips, or big, no, big kissy lips." So he's had like. Um, yeah, big, luscious, juicy lips. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, fine, they're baby bends. <laughs> um, yeah, just those moments. But she guarded my um, perineum as well. I'm trying to think what was happening. Because I'm actually visualising the video in my mind because the doula took great video and photos throughout. And um, I just... Uh, like the actual crowning, the ring of fire, it was like a non-event for me. Like I felt it, but it didn't compare at all to the other um, pain that I had. Um, I I don't know how to describe it. More like a, someone ripping a band-aid off and was like not even something to complain about for me. It was... Um, Probably, it's so quick, isn't it, compared to all the rest of the hard labour that you've just done? I just, I think too, because of his position, it probably, um, I don't know, pushed so hard against the back of my spine that, um, I don't know, it's just already swollen or something's happening there. It was just, maybe next time it might be different, I don't know, but um, she guarded my perineum but as his head come out I definitely felt the tear I tore pretty badly um well a, a very big second degree tear so um but I felt a little sting and it felt like a rubber band giving way on my bum <laughs> That's, and I'm like I knew in that moment I've torn I have torn so I was a bit disappointed in myself I'm pretty hard on myself um I was like, oh, you should have been a bit slower, but I was done. I was, I was. This has to get over and done. I'm not gonna do this slowly. So it took about yeah. six minutes um, for his head to come out. So that was pretty quick, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Once his face was out, they actually saw some meconium come from behind like in that gush that happens around when the neck sort of gets stops there and shoulders push up against but um, they had clear fluid coming out of his nose and when the waters broke it was clear as well so he's probably let go of his meconium just before his head emerged or as his head was emerging so that was okay um, then waiting for him to turn on the side to come out fully, that was excruciating for me, but um, it felt like forever. And Meg's like, have you got any contractions? Any? Is there any contractions happening? I'm like, no. But they did come eventually. It probably took like a minute or something. And then, yeah, he turned and came out. And in the video, like looking back, he didn't have a nipple hand, but both of his arms were up around his shoulders like he had his hands up on his chest so I don't know whether he's I, like well he must have come down the birth canal like that <laughs> so I keep saying like he's very precious with his hands now he was obviously <laughs> in utero he was very precious with his hands so he's kept them up there the whole time <laughs> hmm. gorgeous little thing yeah, and Meg got, because I was really adamant that Ben be there to catch the baby. I didn't actually want to catch him, uh, the baby, at all through pregnancy. I was like, I don't think in that moment that I'm going to be with it enough to catch the baby. So I said, mm. you have to do it. And he was umming and ahhing about it. I said, well, if I was a man, I'd want to do it. <laughs> in the heat of the moment, um, everything's happening and everything's going well and Meg just said, you, you can do it if you want. And he was there and he caught him when he came out and he was in meconium. <laughs> <laughs> um, they cleaned him up and then they passed him through my legs. But, um, well, Ben passed him through. 
and he was sort of um, he passed his legs first, so I saw it was a boy. <laughs> I remember I, we both thought it was a girl, definitely a girl, because whenever I remember imagining this child, it's going to be a girl, and I don't, I didn't have a preference either way. It was just what felt right. But we were so wrong. <laughs> Such a, like a good surprise. But um, I couldn't turn him myself. I was just exhausted. And I, in that moment, I was just, yeah, the emotions were starting to come. And I, I, I just couldn't bring myself to pick him up. So I, needed, I said, I need some help. Um, so Shani came around and... She picked him up for me, and the cord was like so thick. It was um, they had trouble getting the clamp over it, even after all the blood had gone out of it and stuff. Um, but it's a bit short, so I was struggling to hold him up. Um, he he could have, lay on my chest with his head about where my breasts are, and I couldn't get him any higher, but. Um, that was all right. We shuffled. We did a, like a shuffle on my knees backwards. We had all these pillows along the wall and just put some towels down and I laid down and put towels over me because I just got so cold. I All of a sudden, and they do say that that's what happens, like that adrenaline comes through your system and then you feel cold and it's really important to keep you warm because you don't want um, to be shocked with cold. It can, you know the hormones to shut down a bit um Mm, yeah yeah. so i got warm had towels on me and just had him there on my chest and he just cried he didn't stop crying for about half an hour (laughs) bit of a shock so he had a little bit of bruising on his forehead as well and a little bit of a cone head too um but that all within a couple of days it was not noticeable um but it's just gorgeous like I was like, wow, I've got this baby. And, like, all that pain and everything, it went. It was gone. <laughs> it was like when, when the placenta came out, that was oh, not fun, but <laughs> it was over very quick. But um, I was exhausted, so I, I didn't get up. Um, nobody suggested that I get up because I think... At one point in the labour, Meg was going to, well, she rang a friend midwife to get a second opinion. She was concerned it was taking a while and the pushing stage went for three hours and in hospital here, well, that wouldn't be allowed an hour in and they'd have, um, had to have the obstetrician intervening. But um, she was just concerned because it was taking, like, progress was slow. But so I was exhausted and, yeah, she just felt my belly and she must know. Like, she didn't say, like, talk me through it that much. Um, I did tell her in my birth plan that I don't want to know all the details. I just want positive encouragement. And she really did speak to that. So I was like, oh, is it time for the placenta already? But it really had been, um, it had been an hour, I think nearly an hour since he was born so um the cord was white um he'd calmed down he'd done a breast call and yeah so she said I'm just going to guard your uterus and I um I'm going to gently pull and I was like oh this isn't what happens to other people because I was like oh I just want to push it out you know but in the moment I just let her do her thing and thinking back it was the right thing because I would have had to get up if I was going to push it out myself and I just mm. in that frame of mind and also I had this nasty tear and I was blood from that so she helped with the placenta and it, once it was out um, they she looked at it for us and she showed us all the cotyledons on it and looked at different things and even pointed out where she thinks that the blastocyst began and which is pretty amazing and um yeah so that was like we've got photos of it and it was really special yeah yeah beautiful 
And um, we might need to start to wrap things up, but would you like to speak a little bit about what your adjustment to parenting was like in those first kind of early weeks of postpartum? I know that's a massive topic to just briefly touch on, but um, if there's anything in particular you'd like to share from that time. Um, I got mastitis um, 10 days postpartum. Um, that was hard, but look, I really enjoyed um, – we got through that um, mastitis. It was hard. Um, it was three weeks of antibiotics and a couple of different ones um, – I had flat nipples, so we had to get nipple shields. But we got on top of all of that and I'm still breastfeeding now. But really important to honour the rest time in the first couple of months. So, well, you know, six weeks or so. Um, my husband had four weeks off work and he was able to um, do our meals. Um, so I just focused on breastfeeding and resting, making sure I was hydrated and um, that was really valuable for us. Yeah. Um, mm. Toby was feeding, once he got a pattern going a couple of weeks in, it was every 90 minutes around the clock. And that was okay for me because I was used to, I'm, I'm not the best sleeper anyway, but when I woke up I had something to do and the breastfeeding hormones kick in and then I get sleepy and by the time he finished feeding I was ready to go to back to sleep. So, And I wasn't trying to do chores or... Like I was just focusing on looking after him. So I had time to rest in the day. Um, that kept us going really well for the first couple of months. Like I didn't go back to work until he was four months old and then I wasn't, I'm only just five days back now. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story. It was such a pleasure to chat to you today. Well, thank you so much for having me. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode with Janelle. You can find some beautiful photos from her labour at birth and postpartum on the website um, under her episode page or also on Instagram as well, which is at keepbirthwild.podcast. And I look forward to bringing you another episode next week. Mm-hmm.